0: Hello and welcome to Note Doctors Summer Shorts. My name is Paul. My name is Jen. My name is Ben. And we are your hosts. We are all university music theory instructors who are passionate about music theory and music theory instruction. In these short episodes, we will be sharing with each other and all of you musical examples and teaching tips covering a wide range of topics. So if you want to know more about music theory and the most effective and innovative ways to teach it, this is the podcast for you. Hello and welcome back to Note Doctor's Summer Short. So we are enjoying the summer. Actually, are we enjoying the summer? It's been like a hundred plus degrees pretty much every day for the past four weeks. <laughs>
1: yeah, I enjoyed the parts where I was other places that were cooler. Yeah, for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, we've we've all been places that have been cooler than mm-hmm. Texas. Actually, this summer. So, yeah. but yeah, so we're um, kicking it here and. Um, What am I saying? Kicking it here. What is that? (laughs) (laughs) I I, I really apologize for that. Are we
1: kicking it old school today,
0: Paul? (laughs) Kicking it old school. That's right. We're going to be listening to a bop, as my students call them. Uh, A bop. A bop. That's a thing. But our next like three uh, little summer shorts are going to be focused on theory desert island pieces. Okay, so we've all heard about... You know, the uh, movie Desert Island, or sorry, Desert Island movies or Desert Island books, right? Those are the books or the movies that you would take with you on a desert island if you could only, you know, you could only read like three books on a desert island for the rest of your life. What are those three books going to be? But we thought we would have a theory Desert Island conversation. So Mm -hmm. these are the pieces of music that we would take with us to teach a Theory class. So, these are this is a piece of music that we love to incorporate into our lessons in somehow. And so, each one of these episodes is going to be one of those. And so, today we're going to talk about uh, a piece that I would take to a desert island if I had to. Um, and this the piece is called um, Seven Last Words of the Unarmed by Joel Thompson. And so, it's not a uh, It's not a summer beach read or a summer beach listen by any stretch, but it's a really powerful piece. So Joel Thompson is a composer, is born in 1988, um, African-American composer. And he wrote this piece um, in, it was, Composed in 2015, I believe it was originally premiered in. Oh, sorry. Composed in 2014, and it was premiered in 2015 um, by the University of Michigan Glee Club. And what he did was he took the seven last words of seven black men who were killed either by police or gun violence, um, and set each of their kind of phrases to for one movement of the piece. So in the in the in the spirit of the seven last words of Christ that Haydn uh, famously composed, and, and other composers, you often will hear those pieces performed you know, during um, Lent and things like that. Um, those are the seven last phrases that Jesus said as he died on the cross. And so he's taking that idea, um, which actually comes from, actually, uh, Black theology, this idea of merging the cross and the lynching tree, so seeing the death of black men um, and, and black individuals in this type of kind of view of, of of Christ dying and this kind of sacrifice and being you know killed by the state, and so there's actually some real historical kind of connections with with that kind of that kind of thing, but it's really moving and. Powerful piece. It's about fifteen minutes long. It's the original version is for men's choir, piano, and string quartet. Though he's made it, he's orchestrated it for orchestra. There's an SATB version of it, um, and so Jen and Ben, you had never heard this piece before, and right. so what was your initial
1: response? Well, I so I had a personal response. I was listening to it from the mindset of knowing we're going to talk about it and that you use this piece in the classroom so i was listening to it from that mindset but my personal response was really emotional uh it's a very impactful piece and there were moments that just really hit me and then especially realizing that this was this piece was written before joy george floyd or before any of these very recent you know so this is This is still there could be so many more movements to this work now uh, if it was written in 2022. Um, So it's definitely a really powerful piece. I from a teaching perspective, there are lots of musical elements, but there were so many kind of critical thinking aspects of it, too, where you could ask your students about um, musical composition and activism and how those things can be related and work together. Um, things about there are some moments in the piece that use more kind of modern choral techniques like speaking or random speaking, random singing things like that that occur Um, and it's used really effectively in the piece Um, so you could talk about you know, imagining what it would look like to use those tools ineffectively versus effectively or why it works so well in this context things like that so I loved it. And right away, I was like, where am I going to put this piece in my curriculum? Because I feel like people should be hearing it and thinking about it.
2: Yeah, totally. I had same, some of the same thoughts, Jen. I mean, I was deeply moved by it, as I think probably some of our listeners will. You should definitely go check out the piece and set aside some time. Afterwards, Paul kind of gave us a heads up when he mm-hmm. sent us the recording that, don't just set aside enough time to listen to this. Set aside time after for reflection, and that's something I think we should say to everyone on the on the pod today, because it's so deeply moving to listen to these um, the artistry, um, and then also what came to mind for me was, you know, art as powerful as as a force in our in our society that a lot of times people think of. You know you have your stem and then you have your art you know and it's like it isn't separate like art is culture you know and the way you put together art influences culture culture influences art like you know there isn't like this you know artificial division that people create and like a piece like this has such power that it really really deeply affects all kinds of people, and I'm sure the more it's performed, which I, I don't see how it wouldn't be performed more frequently over the next year or two, and probably in the next 10 to 20, 30 years, um, to really, really inspire people to take action um, and, and see it as, what can we do as artists, you know, in terms of social justice? I mean, that's a great question that's just facing society right now. And this, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of deeply inspirational piece, I think, really, really does good work in that regard.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've used this in my Theory 4 class, where we get into a lot of you know, 20th, 21st century mm-hmm. music and techniques and things like that. And this piece, with along some other ones that I try to bring out, tries to address that, you know, question of well, why... Is this music relevant, or can this can art music say anything, you know, to mm. us? And students want to know that answer because so much mm-hmm. of the stuff that they listen to, or they have to listen to, they're like, well, so what, right? Um, but a piece like this can say something that a piece of popular music can never say or can't say mm-hmm. in the same way, you know. Um, and I think that. Ability of this piece to do that is important for these students to say, "Hey, this is this is what can be done. This is the power that this music has, uh, if you if it's Mm -hmm. wielded thoughtfully and carefully and constructed in a in a in a in a thoughtful way." So yeah, it's a it's a cool it's a. (laughs) I think I mentioned this in the text. Text is like, it's a piece I wish didn't exist in a way Mm -hmm. because if these men weren't killed like this, this piece wouldn't wouldn't exist and it'd be better if this piece did not exist but Mm -hmm. unfortunately in the world that we live in pieces like this have to exist and I think it's important that these pieces exist Um, because you know I I, uh, I have my students listen to these and then um, this piece and others and make flip grid responses so video responses and there are definitely students troubled by this piece you know you physically moved or maybe not even able to really talk much because of the emotions and there's also students who are like you know who may be like well there's another side to the story you know and Mm. and you know and people can have their own opinions and my theory class is not the place to be like arguing about like well who's right and who's wrong but what this piece does is it gives humanity to these seven men you know Mm -hmm. and i think that's even for the students who might find themselves, I don't know, on the more conservative side of, of the arguments, um, maybe more pro-police, perhaps, you know, they can't deny the the devastation that that's uh, been affected on these these families, of these individuals, in these communities, you know, after they listen to to this piece. And so some of the the folks um, that. Are, are, are themed in this piece is Trayvon Martin, so there's a, a song about him, um, Michael Brown, uh, Eric Garner, so and, and some other men that I honestly didn't even remember. Uh, but those are three at least that um, are probably many of our listeners would still remember those names. Um, a few things that I like to point out when we look at this piece um, is that there is a uh, motive from um, an old Renaissance tune lomar may interwoven into this piece and so lomar which is of course
1: may- yeah the armed man right
0: yes yes the armed man the the, the and the so that's lomar may but the, actually the full title is the armed man should be feared so that's actually mm-hmm. the fir- first line which makes it even more per- uh, powerful so this is we can actually hear it here i'm gonna play it um this is sung by um uh, the oxford camarada so you can hear that bum 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 bum. That's kind of the main motive
2: mm-hmm.
0: of that of that uh, melody, and of course that was used in uh, multiple masses. So this comes from um, the Guillaume de Fay de Fay de, Fay, de Fay however you want to pronounce it, um, his mass. And that, that melody, of course, is interwoven in, in the, the different movements of that. But he uses that in the different movements that have gun violence in it. So you'll actually hear it. I'm going to try to play the first movement for us here, just the beginning of it. And the first one is, officers, why do you have your guns out? This is um, uh, a movement on Kenneth Chamberlain. And at the very beginning, you're going to hear this piano kind of ostinato that happens, and then the melody is going to come in. Let me see if I can play it on this. But it's going to be a slightly different rhythm, but you're going to kind of hear it. So let me see if I can play this for us. So that is right at the very beginning. And of course, the lyric comes in, officers, why do you have your guns out? Um, there's, and that is kind of interwoven in numerous places. There is a fugue in the second movement, the Trayvon Martin, where the lyric is, "Why? what are you following me for? And I thought this was an interesting movement because in his program notes, uh, Joel Thompson, Um, says that this movement uses the classical form of the fugue not only to portray Trayvon Martin's last moments trying to escape death, but also to sonically capture the daily paranoia of the Black experience while driving on roads, walking on sidewalks, and congregating at various social gatherings. And the Lomar is also quoted in here underneath this counterpoint, but the fugue that we hear is... uh, Exactly, you know, classical style fugue with the uh, subjects and answers going to the dominant. Though it's it goes to from D minor to D A minor, so we don't go to A A major. Um, But it's a great example of a fugue subjects that you could look at when you're looking at fugues. And so let's listen to just that. So there's moments of stretto, there's you know canon going on in there. So there's a lot of interesting things, and all of these movements are relatively short, you know, two to three minutes in length. So you could easily pull some of these uh, movements uh, if you just wanted to look at one or two of these. Now, the movement that most of my students, whenever I ask them, you know, which one resonates with them with them the most, is the movement that um, kind of serves as the kind of the the center of it. And it's the third movement, it's Mom, I'm going to college. And it's um, a line that was spoken by uh, Amadou Diallo, who's a 23-year-old immigrant from Guinea who um, was, was killed by police officers uh, with 41 rounds. Um, and it is sung, started by a, uh, a solo, so and, and singing Mom, I'm going to college. And then the choir comes in, um, it's in 5-4, which Gives it a little bit of an uneasy quality to it, even though it's it's very beautiful. Um, And then the harmonies come in, but then at the very end, we have this kind of turn from major to the relative minor, um, where you kind of realize that you know he's not going to college. And of course, my students are all college students, so they're thinking about Mm. you know going to college and the excitement and the hope that they had, you know, and telling their parents they're going to college. Um, And then, you know, of course that not happening, so I figure we could maybe listen to just the very end. So we're going to hear the the choir coming in on this. There's some really cool harmonies, there's some great borrowed chords in here, as well as some clusters. Um, And then also this deceptive resolution that we'll hear when we go from D major to B minor. So Let me see if I can get into this. It's just gut wrenching. It's just, mm-hmm. oh my gosh. Um, there's not much mm-hmm. you can really say um, after after listening to that, and then it continues on for uh, four more movements. And as as you mentioned, Jen, there's a lot of, um, kind, of kind of contemporary choral techniques, mm-hmm. There's some controlled aleatoricism mm-hmm. with some body percussion and kind of chanting at different times. So if you know if you're wanting to talk about those types of aleatoric techniques, there's Uh, great ways into that. The other nice thing about this piece is that the score is available completely on musicspoke.com. So you can actually purchase the score, but you can actually view the perusal score. Of course it says perusal score, like a watermark on it, but you can actually look at the whole score pull that up um, so students can look at it you can refer to it so that's how i found like a number of these lomar may May quotes in fact because i was able to look at the full score so that's another great thing because a lot of these contemporary pieces it can be hard to get get these scores Um, and so a really powerful piece a piece that uh, i've been using the last i think two years and we'll, we'll definitely continue using because for many of these students, they are shocked, as you mentioned, Jen, that, oh, where, who are these people? Like, I only know about George Floyd um, mm-hmm. and, or Breonna Taylor or someone mm-hmm. like that. And, you know, these, these, these individuals were, you know, killed when, you know, our college students were, you know, probably, no, they didn't, they were probably engaged in anything, you know, socially mm-hmm. or culturally, you know, they're probably like <laughs> 13 years old, you know? Right. Um, and so for, for them, it's like, wow, this has been going on a lot longer. And it does spur them on to, you know, think about what they can do, um, and how they you know, can use their own art and how they can use their own music, um, in powerful ways. So that's why this for me is a theory, Desert Island piece.
2: Thanks for sharing it.
1: Yeah. It's amazing.
0: Yeah. So go check it out. So again, um, it's by Joel Thompson. Uh, he's currently working on his, uh, I think PhD or DMA at Yale and, um, Uh, he's done quite a bit. So again, it's Joel Thompson's seven last words of the unarmed, a wonderful piece. Go take a listen to it, share it with your friends. And, uh, we'll be back with, uh, another episode where we talk about more theory, desert island pieces.